Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, good morning. Welcome to the Compass live stream. I am Chris. I'm the pastor at Compass. And as always, I'm thrilled that you are with me. So I want to start off by asking you a question. Have you ever had a friend who maybe with the first time you met them, you misjudged them? Maybe the first time you met, you thought they were rude or arrogant, but after getting to know them, you just found out that they were just really insecure. Years ago, I made a friend at a church that we were part of, and he told me that until he got to know me, that he thought I was stuck up. He thought that I felt like I was better than everyone else because I just wasn't terribly social with everyone. Now, I laughed at that because the truth was is that I was really insecure and self-conscious because I just didn't feel like I fit in with anybody. I was more stuck down than stuck up. But this perception he had of me, it affected how he related to me. Our perception of others affects how we relate to them and it affects how we categorize them. You know, we ask questions like, are they cool? Are they safe? Are they intimidating? Are they a person to be avoided? We put them in categories. Are they a person who I can bring into my life or are they a person I should keep at a distance? And it's not just our own perception. We also have these external filters that inform how we categorize people. Things like social norms, government regulations, religious rules that we were raised on. I mean, for example, if someone's running around naked, screaming that God doesn't exist, he's offending religious rules, he's breaking government regulations, breaking the law, and he's violating a basic social contract that we all have with each other to not be naked in public. Whatever the reason, there are people in our lives who are seen as outsiders. So last week, we began looking specifically at how Jesus interacted with the outsiders of his day so that we can better understand how to live like Jesus lived and think like he thought about other people. And today we're going to continue that in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. And this is what it says. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. Now, again, just like last week, this seems really straightforward. But again, there are things in here that are unsaid that an ancient Jewish audience would have understand or would have understood as shorthand, but things that we might miss if not explained. And so, so Jesus lived in first century Roman occupied Judea. The Jewish people lived on land that used to belong to them. It was their own nation of Israel, but that nation had been defeated and destroyed and, and dissolved by a series of other conquering nations. And the most, of rec- the most recent of which was Rome. The Israelites were a people with a national identity, but they had no nation of their own. So let me break it down for you in Star Wars terms, okay? The evil empire has taken over the entire galaxy and it exercises total control over everyone. Now, Imagine that Emperor Palpatine, the evil leader of the Empire, showed up at Luke Skywalker's place and he was like, hey, I have this guy. Now I can't do the voice, it's stupid. He says, hey, I have this guy who works for me named Darth Vader, okay? And, and Darth's moving this weekend into a new place. It's this, it's this planet-killing Death Star. It's real nice. But I'm going to need you to help him move his stuff. That, that's kind of the dynamic that's at play here. And as a result of that dynamic, most good Jews hated the Romans. Many of them saw it as their civic and moral responsibility 
to hate them. And, and in addition to the Romans subjugating them, you know, the Israelites had centuries of religious teaching on staying away from people who were Gentiles, non-Jews. Last week, we talked about uh, the importance of ceremonial cleanness and purity to the Jews, how they could be defiled by interacting with unclean things or people. And one group of people who were considered unclean were non-Jewish Gentiles, particularly those who worshipped pagan gods like the Romans. I mean, look at the language of Ezra 9, 10 through 12. Check this out. For we have forsaken your commandments, which you commanded by your servants and the prophets, saying, this is him talking to God, or this is God's words, the land that you are entering to take possession of, it is a land that is impure with the impurity of the peoples of the lands, with their abominations that have filled it from end to end with their uncleanness. Therefore, do not give your daughters to their sons, neither take their daughters for your sons, and never seek their peace or prosperity, that you may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. That is strong language. According to the prophet Ezra, the Jewish people lived in a place that was impure with the impurity of the people of the land. And with their abominations, those people filled it from end to end with their uncleanness. Ezra wrote that. And then over the years, Jewish rabbis just expanded on it. And what started out just as kind of these rules to not allow intermarriage became rules about not interacting with Gentiles at all. So because of this, Jews weren't allowed to socialize with Gentiles in any way. They weren't allowed to eat with Gentiles or even set foot, set foot in their homes without being tainted by them or being made unclean by them. Now, understanding all that, let's take a look at this again, okay? Matthew 8, 5. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Okay, we have the background. We know what's happening in the Jewish mind at the time. And I imagine that when this happened, people were like, what is going on? Is that Roman soldier really asking Jesus for a favor? And, and what is Jesus going to do? Can Jesus even say no to a Roman officer? How does that work? And then as a good religious rabbi, Jesus would know that in the words of Ezra, he wasn't allowed to seek the peace and prosperity of the pagans. They were unclean. They were impure. They were not to be helped. And then when Jesus said, I will come and heal him, people had to be freaking out because not only did Jewish law and custom command him not to help a pagan Gentile, it prohibited him from even setting foot in a Gentile home without becoming impure and unclean himself. But in spite of that, Jesus was like, let's do this. Which brings us to what I want you to see in the first of three main takeaways that I have today, and it's this. It's that Jesus always chose people over prohibitions. I mean, just like we saw last week when he healed a man with leprosy, Jesus was not going to let social norms or racial tensions or even religious rules prevent him from loving and caring for the marginalized, for an outsider. Because Jesus always chose people over prohibitions. Our story continues in verse 8. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers 
and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And, and I, if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Okay, so this Roman soldier, he, he understood his culture, understanding what he was asking for and, and being aware of the cultural tension between the Jews and Rome This Roman soldier gives Jesus an out, really. He's like, you know, listen, don't come into my house. Listen, I believe that if you just give the command for my servant to be healed, that that's going to be enough. I believe, Jesus, that you have the power to do this without, you know, having to violate Jewish law, without making yourself unclean by coming with me and into my home. And this is important, though. Look Look at how Jesus responds. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Okay, what Jesus says here is big. Jesus said he hasn't seen faith like that of the Roman officer in all of Israel. That out of all of God's chosen people, that none of them had the faith that this outsider did. That when placed side by side with the educated, religiously trained, and God-fearing Jews, that this unclean, uninformed, unholy, idol-worshiping Roman, who came to Jesus desperately asking for help, had greater faith. According to Jesus, the faith of this pagan was more honoring to God than the faith of his religious chosen people. But how can that be? The Roman soldier didn't know or obey the Jewish scriptures like the religious did. He didn't pray to God or make sacrifices. He didn't follow the Jewish law. I mean, just because of who he was, he was considered unclean and excluded from the Jewish community of faith. He was a spiritual outsider. And yet Jesus saw more faith in his simple, genuine request and the belief than in all the religious activities of all the religious people. And there's another thing that Jesus says here that's really important in verse 11. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You remember, okay, remember how the Jewish law and custom, it prohibited religious Jews from setting foot in a Gentile home and especially sitting down and eating with them. Remember, and it's just not, it's not just something that good religious Jews do, but Jesus said, he's like, this religious custom, it doesn't allow you any access to the Roman soldier. He says that the holiest of our people wouldn't be caught dead sitting at the same table as you. But in spite of that, you're welcome at my table. Because to them, your impurity and uncleanness make you an outsider. But to me, you're an honored guest. Their cultural systems may have excluded you from full involvement in the community, but I'm welcoming you completely. Which brings us to our second takeaway today, and it's this. Jesus' party guests will surprise you. We, we create or maintain our systems of who's in and who's out. I mean, even in the church, we have our categories of who's okay and who's not okay based on what we perceive to be their purity, their cleanness, and their agreement or disagreement to our ideas of doctrinal fidelity. 
And the crazy thing is that there are so many different denominations with different standards of who's in of, and who's out, of who gets a seat at the table and, and who doesn't. But at Jesus's party, you're going to be surprised and amazed at who the guests are because Jesus is perfect love and perfect grace. And sometimes we get so focused on the fact that Jesus died for me that we forget he died for them. Because in Jesus' kingdom, sometimes outsiders get in and sometimes insiders are left out because Jesus loves the outsider. I mean, look at this. What happens in verse 13? Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. So there's just one more thing that we need to understand. It's easy to look at what Jesus is describing as, you know, someday when we all get to heaven, as if the kingdom of heaven he's describing is, is a feast in the clouds where we're all going to spend eternity. And then we'll all find out then who was wrong and who was right. But that is not what Jesus is talking about. The kingdom of heaven is not someday. It's right now. It's us. It's the church The kingdom of heaven is followers of Jesus who put their faith in him and now live under his rule as citizens of heaven. Jesus isn't envisioning a someday, you know, when we're all going to find out who made it and who didn't, who was right and who's wrong. He's envisioning his church now, today, as a gathering of his followers who are so loving, so inviting, and so inclusive that when people look at it, they're like, they let those people in? I mean, I thought those people were unclean. How how did he include them? But Jesus shows us what the opposite part of being in the kingdom of heaven looks like too in Matthew 23, 13. In a chilling picture, he says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the door on the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves and you don't let others enter either. So who will you be? Who will we be? Will we be people like Jesus who see the humanity in outsiders and fully embrace them? Or will we be like the Pharisees, shutting the door of the real world, right now kingdom of heaven in people's faces because they don't look like us, dress like us, think like us, or just, or maybe they just don't follow Jesus exactly like us. I had coffee this week with Tom Keating, who's a missionary that we support at Compass. And we were talking about this and and he shared this amazing portrait of Jesus. He said this, he said, anytime people drew lines where there were insiders on one side and outsiders on the other, Jesus always stepped over the line to stand with the outsider every time. And he still does today. But the thing about lines is that no matter who you are, someone has drawn a line for you too to leave you on the outside. And when they did that, when that happened, Jesus stepped over that line to stand with you. And the beauty of this is that now, no matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus is standing with you. It means we are all outsiders, that he's standing with all of us. And when we realize that, we can understand that we are no different than the people who we see as unclean. That under the cross of Christ, we're all welcomed, accepted, and forgiven without condition. And our role 
is now not to judge or exclude, but instead to fully welcome people into a community centered around trust in Jesus, where we choose people over prohibitions, a community full of surprising and unexpected people, a community that isn't waiting to enjoy the kingdom of heaven someday, but is living out its principles now as the body of Christ. May our church community look like the feast that Jesus described today. And may it never be said of us that we shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. May we love and embrace the Roman soldiers and the the Darth Vader's in our lives. And may the outsiders in our lives see and experience the irresistible love and grace of Jesus through us every single day. Thank you for joining me and I will see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.